Alliance of Women Filmmakers. This is Visionary Voices, behind the scenes conversations with groundbreaking women and non-binary filmmakers from around the world. I'm Diana Means. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Today, we are joined by director Yosa Shrikini to talk about her film, Working Today, Only for Tomorrow, a documentary that exposes the inability of middle-aged women to find work in Kosovo. Through this documentary, we follow the lives of several middle-aged women being discriminated against and forced to work in the Black labor market as cleaners in private homes. Yosa, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Diana. It is a pleasure for me to talk to you. I'm going to start off with having you share with our audience a little about your background and what inspired you to make this documentary. Yeah, actually, um, I was born in Pristina, in Kosovo. And when I was five years old, because of the war in Kosovo, my parents went to Germany as refugees. And then that even brings us into your film about the women being discriminated against and forced to work in black labor market. You know, how much of that is because of the social constraints that society has put and placed gender defined roles on people? Yeah, we have this example in my uh, we have this example in my documentary, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, Diana, I very early recognized that men and women have not really uh, equal rights, no matter which country we are looking at in the whole Eastern and Southeastern Europe area. Religions are different, traditions are different, but uh, patriarchal structures are common in all areas, actually. For example, when I applied to do uh, the documentary, I wanted to have the circumstances as a main topic in my research. Um, And actually, this is my first documentary, which is called Working Today, Only for Tomorrow. And in 2019, I was in my city uh, in Ferizai, where my family lives, uh, and I met Kosovo women of different age groups who talked to me about uh, the difficulties they had in finding a job. And that regardless of how qualified they were, they could not find a job and were discriminated a lot. And um, I concentrated on the topic uh, of uh, the middle-aged women because no matter what qualification they have, they face massive difficulties to get an official job. Mostly the owners are men and they want to employ more young ladies uh, than a middle-aged woman. And sometimes uh, one reason for the choice is to have attractive personnel in their shopping centers or supermarkets because they um, want to show more um, and not to treat people for the work or good work that they, they do. And this is a huge problem. Actually, this documentary is about ageism, but it covers so many other topics as well. Uh, the most marginal, uh, marginalized group of women who work in formal economies as care and domestic workers. And this is a very large group of women, which is growing day by day, who are completely invisible to our state institutions and legislations because uh, in our law, they don't exist. Anyway, uh, in Kosovo labor market, um, Kosovo labor market is uh, chaotic. Um, we have, uh, for example, 
unemployment about 30%. So the bosses can select about many kind of criteria they want to. And for this reason, it is not a problem for them just to, to decide to have um, younger uh, women as workers, for example. Another problem is also that um, middle-aged women, for example, if women are um, around 35 or 30, they want to have children. And the main problem in Kosovo is that at the moment when the bosses understand or they, they have this information that women are pregnant, they just quit the job. You know, they just um, don't want to pay the money for women if they, they have a baby. I'm saying when you say they quit the job, are you saying that they force the women to quit the job if they're pregnant or the women quit the job? Um, from both sides. For example, the, the bosses, they through the behavior, how they treat the women during the pregnancy time, they just force, not directly, but indirect uh, women to quit the job because they don't want to pay money during the time when, uh, the, the, for example, the women uh, need time to take care of their children. They don't want to pay the maternity leave. So they make things difficult for the women when they're pregnant. So it's hoping that the women will quit on their own before that point. Exactly. Yeah. And this is a huge problem. And uh, this is a reason why I wanted to do the whole research. And uh, in the beginning, I wanted just to see why women actually were telling me so many stories and so many uh, experiences that they had. And nobody was doing nothing. For me, this is a problem. This women or this discrimination, even sometimes people are are dealing with this problem every day and uh, nobody is doing nothing. And so through my um, research and through my documentary, I did interviews with uh, uh, different um, officials also from uh, our our ministry, for example, or also uh, different institutions that are responsible for uh, to fight actually discrimination and not to allow this kind of uh, experiences. Who are some of the institutions that you interviewed for your documentary? Yeah, I interviewed a lot of um, different uh, representatives um, from Labor Inspectorate in Kosovo, Ministry of Labor and Social Welfare, and also um, Employment Agency in Kosovo. So um, I contacted these people and I spoke with them about that. And um, some of them told us that actually they, uh, sometimes they are not very well informed about that. People should go there and just speak about every case that they have. And through this way, they can um, also be active actually to and they can react to stop this kind of discriminations but sometimes it's also difficult uh, because as i told you also if we talk about informal economies or women that work actually in informal economies we we can do anything sometimes because um they doesn't exist in our law and uh if they don't exist they are to- totally completely invisible to our state institutions or and legislations, how can also the um, employment agency or also the labor inspectorate react if they don't exist in our law? And this is the, the problem that I uh, reported about that because these people are working in different houses. 
these people or these women are working in informal economies, like in different houses, they are cleaning, they are doing different kind of jobs. And sometimes even the, these women do their work. They are not go- getting paid about that. What do you mean or, when you say that these women don't exist? Do you mean that in society they don't have rights? Uh, the labor law exists in Kosovo, but I checked also the whole um, law and this kind of jobs like informal economies or uh, a group of women that work in different private houses or, for example, they go and clean there. This kind of uh, work, it doesn't exist in our law. It's nothing. We don't have nothing in our law that explains how can people regulate actually this kind of, of, of work. And for this reason, they are discriminated uh, in every part of the country because they don't exist. And if they don't exist in, in our law and also our institutions, how can they be treated better? Or how can um, this group of women that work in informal economies how can they um, raise their voice for uh, the dis- discrimination that they are dealing or the way how people treat? For example, they go to clean in private houses, they clean everything, and then the owners of the uh, or the people that um, invited them to work there, they don't pay for the work that they do just because they can do that. And I uh, see. So it's not, it's the black market. And so it's not really regulated. And that's how these women are losing out on their rights as employees because they're not even being recognized as employees. Exactly. But this is just only a part of the documentary. Through the documentary, I um, covered also different parts of discrimination. For example, if a woman applies for a job, and it, it depends, uh, and I told you also, it's not um, um, regardless of how qualified they were, they can just not find a job because um, the owners of uh, private companies, they want to have, for example, younger girls to work in their supermarkets because they look better and they, they don't have children. For example, one of the criteria sometimes is, are you married? Are you in a relationship? Are you planning to have children in the five common years? And this kind of questions are... Um, They're in, illegal. Are they actually on the on the job application or you mean during the interview they're asked these also questions? During, also during the interview, you know, uh, during the interview, they ask such kind of questions. And women told me about that just because they are 35. They they can't find even um, simply jobs. They can't find jobs because um, the owners uh, want to have uh, younger workers. And this is a huge problem. And, you know, nobody is doing nothing about that. And uh, this was just the first research that I did, actually. And we discussed about that with different MPs also in our parliament. I talked to them and I showed them what I uh, researched and uh, I talked to them about every problem that we have. And so now I'm trying to bring all the results of this investigation together through MPs, actually, in the parliament to discuss this kind of discriminations that we, the women are dealing and uh, maybe we should change also our um, law. And through this investigation, I wanted to do this kind of changes. And, you know, why should people or men that are um, actually the owners of the companies put a criteria, for example, we are looking for employers 
And one of the criteria uh, criteria is that for this kind of job, for example, to work as a, um, uh, I don't know, not cleaner, but to work in a supermarket, for example, to sell things. They, they open an application. They put a criteria like uh, for, for this kind of job can apply women from the uh, ages group between 18 till 24. Why should be such kind of criteria in the application form? Is that not a discrimination? Right in the application. That, that's, yeah, that's- we see the, this in every private companies. Why cannot a woman that is 25 not apply for a workplace like in a supermarket or something like that? Uh, why can't she apply there? I don't understand. Why are this kind of discriminations? And actually, you can see it also in social media, this kind of problems. I checked also different groups and also different uh, job websites where women or people, citizens of Kosovo, can check and look for, for jobs. And there I checked and I found out, uh, actually, I, I, I saw that um, this kind of applications forms or uh, this kind of criterias have a lot of uh, different companies from the private sector. And this is a huge problem because people are discriminated uh, because um, of their age, because of their gender. And this is a huge problem. I mean, I feel bad also for all these women and all other people. And uh, this is not a problem just for Albanian women, but also uh, people from uh, women uh, from different ethnic groups in Kosovo. And uh, this is the reason why I wanted to do this documentary. And um, in documentary, you can see actually also uh, we have three cases um, through three stories of three women, uh, also from different ethnic groups. Like, for example, we have a Roma woman that was telling actually the story that people don't accept her or don't want her to work for them just because she have uh, she is Muslim. And this is also another problem. And some women, for example, another woman is telling her story in the documentary. She finished her studies and she's forced to work as a cleaner just to survive. She is uh, now divorced and she is just 30 years old. And she is facing with discrimination uh, just because people are considering that she's overqualified or also um, older. (laughs) And this is a huge problem. So if you see and if you watch the documentary, you can better understand uh, the whole problem. This is your first documentary. Can you talk about your challenges in just getting the documentary made? Uh, It was really difficult for me because I had also an accident uh, during that time. I broke my leg, you know. When I started to do the whole research, I couldn't walk. So the whole research I did without being able to walk. (laughs) <laughs> and this was the biggest challenge. But I, um, after two days when this accident happened, I decided to go to work. And uh, my dedication was le- actually very big to do this documentary uh, in, on the best way. And uh, it was really challenging because people or women uh, were actually afraid to talk about uh, the discriminations they were facing. And I went in different locations just to try to talk, uh, to be able actually to talk to women and to explain that actually the whole research uh, that I'm doing is only to raise their voice, to report about a huge problem that we have and to try to do the best um, 
to change something, not only for them, but for every woman and also for, for their the daughters. Because um, if we don't do something now, the situation will not be better for the, for the next generations. And actually, it was really hard also to talk with women and to tell them that they should share their stories and to raise their voice in order to change something. And I had many difficulties, but at the end, when I saw the result and also the success uh, in different countries uh, in US, but also in Europe and in the Balkans, for me, it was the best feeling because I started this documentary um, or this idea to do the whole research was um, actually just to do something better for the community. And to stop the discrimination. And if nobody will do that, it will be the same situation and nobody uh, will change something. And now through the stories, through the documentary, this problem is not only in Kosovo popular, but I think that this story is now all around the world. <laughs> well, congratulations for that. Now, I know that the film screened in the 2022 Women Voices Now Film Festival where else has the film screened and how did you get the film out there into the world? I did the, the documentary together with Kosovo 2.0, a media in Kosovo. And um, I got a fellowship from them, a human uh, rights fellowship in 2020 to, to finance the, the whole research. And then I worked with a team because I couldn't walk during that time. <laughs> so I had a very good mentor. Altrina Krasnici is one of the best film directors in Kosovo. And I learned a lot from her because, you know, it, this is just my first documentary. And when we finished the whole documentary, I didn't expect that um, the documentary will be successful even in Kosovo. You know, we just did that and I didn't expect anything. But after we finished that and I um, published it in three languages, in Serbian language, in Albanian language, and also in English language, then uh, the documentary was selected uh, at uh, Women Voices Now Film Festival in Los Angeles. Uh, and it was screened actually in this year edition of the festival. And this was the first recognition uh, um, in the countries outside of Kosovo. But uh, in Kosovo, uh, after I published the, the documentary, the jury of different journalists decided actually to give us also the award for the best TV documentary in Kosovo. And this was the first step when I, uh, when we got actually uh, recognized or uh, people respected our work, what we did. And um, after this, the second uh, success was actually in LA, participation in the Women Voices Now Film Festival there. And uh, now also the documentary was um, last week, actually. It was also a part of the Serbis International Film Festival in the Republic of Moldova in East Europe and also in Portugal. So only in these three festivals, um, people uh, had the chance to see the documentary. But uh, I think I'm not going to stop. Only in three festivals, I will also see where can we show the documentary in other countries and um, how can we raise the voice not only for women in, in Southeast Europe, but also in whole world. And um, yeah, I didn't expect actually this whole success that uh, the, my first documentary achieved actually. Yosa, I wish you continued success as you continue to use this documentary to raise the voices of women. Now, I know the film screened 
this year here in the Women Voices Now Film Festival. Is it going to be coming back to the U.S. at any time? How can other people see it? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking to screen the documentary again in the U.S. But now I can't um, talk and I can't give any more inf detailed information about that because uh, I'm working on that. And when we have uh, something official, I can just post any information in my social media accounts like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and people can just follow my work there. And so they will be able also to see all the information where they can see not only this uh, documentary, but also portages and everything I do from uh, Southeast Europe and also from Kosovo. I will include your social media handles on the website for Visionary Voices podcast. But can you also share your social handles now? Yes. Uh, Viosa Cerchini uh, is my Facebook um, account. Uh, Viosa Cerchini is my Instagram account. And Cerchini We is my Twitter account. But you can find also under my name, Viosa Cerchini, uh, also in Twitter. Thank you very much. And thank you for your time today. Thank you very much. Alliance of Women Filmmakers is proud to partner with Women Voices Now to present this podcast. Women Voices Now uses film to drive positive social change that advances girls' and women's rights globally. For more information about Women Voices Now, visit womenvoicesnow.org. To learn more about Alliance of Women Filmmakers and other organizations that we partner with, please visit lawomensfest.com. Visionary Voices is produced by Diana Means with editing from Otaku Media. Visionary Voices is a production of Alliance of Women Filmmakers and made possible in part by a grant from the Department of Cultural Affairs. Our website, visionaryvoicespodcast.com. Yeah,